From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. Joining us, 7th District Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal. And the first thing I have to ask you is, how come you're not part of the squad? <laughs> I mean, you're young, you're a, you're a freshman, you're... A, I'm you're, not a well, freshman. Well, you're not a freshman, but no. you're close to being a freshman. Yeah. Uh, you came over here, you know, from another country, so you could be sent back home where you came from, I suppose, if the president had his way. But, I mean, how come you're not part of that group? Well, the squad was um, the four women who came in together, and I wish I had had that kind of companionship when I came in, but unfortunately there weren't quite as many of us the year that I came in, and so I'm happy to um, happy to have them in. You were, were you the first to call for an impeachment investigation? Out of the Washington State Democrats, yes. Yeah. And, wh- and among the first in the country. And why? And have you talked with uh, Speaker Pelosi about that? Oh, absolutely. And what did um, she say? Well, I think that uh, I called for the impeachment inquiry back in March, and it was shortly after the Mueller report was released, 448 pages. I've read it three times. Um, I find it incredibly, incredibly dangerous, um, the information that's in there and what this president has been doing. Out of the 10 counts of obstruction of justice that are outlined in the report, there are five that are, I think— you know, without contest. And that's really the five that we focus so, so on. So what what's the top thing? Well, the, the five top things involve the attempts to fire Robert Mueller, um, the attempts to witness tamper with, uh, I, I focused on Paul Manafort, um, the many instances in which the president lied or encouraged others to lie, the pardon dangling that was done, mm-hmm. And to me, the the problem is that these are crimes, and a thousand federal prosecutors wrote a letter that said if any other American had done these crimes, they would be prosecuted for them. And so the idea that the person sitting in the Oval Office would conduct himself in this way, commit acts that any other American would be prosecuted for, and then expect to be let go is outrageous and undermines our democracy. And it doesn't matter, though, that the underlying collusion involving the president, anyway, never happened? Well, that's one of the things that we debunk if you watch the Mueller hearing. What the special counsel said is that, number one, there, you know, the president keeps saying, I was exonerated, total exoneration, no collusion, no conspiracy, no obstruction of justice. The special counsel is on record saying it is not true that the president was exonerated. In fact, if he had been able to do that, he would have done that. But in his report, he specifically says, no, he is not exonerated. What he said about election interference, collusion, as you know, is not a real term. No. Right. Um, they insist on using it, but it's not a real term. So we're talking about conspiracy here. The special counsel was charged with determining whether or not that fits a criminal prosecution standard. And because they weren't able to get a lot of evidence, including the president's personal testimony, by the way, the president answered some questions, refused to answer others, and has been engaged in a pattern of ongoing obstruction of justice where we've tried to get witnesses before us that he has told not to testify. So what Robert Mueller said is based on the evidence that he was able to get, which included much evidence that the president blocked, he was not able to identify uh, the standard of criminal prosecution for mm-hmm. conspiracy. But what are the stakes Which is here? very different. What are the stakes here? As, as far as I can tell, the, the nature of the interference was not changing actual votes. 
that was buying ads and creating memes to try to basically uh, confuse and befuddle and divide voters. But you had to click on that and you had to believe it. So in some ways, don't you think the investigation itself constitutes at least some kind of inoculation against the influence of this kind of... I I wish that were true, Dave, but here's the thing. Robert Mueller, multiple times in the one press conference he did, seven minutes, he said at the very end, he said, sweeping election interference by the Russians. We have now passed a bill in the House of Representatives to shore up our elections so this cannot happen again. 17 intelligence agencies said sweeping interference by the Russians in our elections. We have no way to assess what that did or didn't do. But the the issue is people are interfering in our elections. The Trump campaign mm-hmm. deliberately sought information. President Trump himself has said that he would seek information again. Nothing right. wrong with no, it. He stood up and nothing said wrong that. with it. Absolutely that, that nothing really wrong dumb thing with it. Not just dumb. It is it is outrageous and undermining our constitution. If a president is saying he would seek assistance from other countries in direct violation of what our laws say today. At least he said it publicly. Everybody knew. He stood up there and he said, you know, Russia, if you're listening. So the whole world knew that this guy was looking for, for foreign help. That's transparency, isn't it? <laughs> well, you know, this is a, a totally new way of doing business. Just say it so that people get inoculated and then they say, oh, well, he said it publicly, transparency. Yeah. But the reality is, do you believe in the Constitution or not? Do you believe our democracy should be uh, should be conducted without foreign interference in our elections? And do you fundamentally believe in the uh, checks and balances yeah. that are built into our system? Okay. Does Congress actually have an oversight role that is required by our articles in the Constitution, and should we be able to do that piece of work? Okay, one more thing on this. Uh, Russian interference involved, as I say, uh, buying ads. I know it's illegal for foreign interference, but in in actual— It's not just buying ads. Let me just be clear. It's not just buying ads. It's hacking into our systems. It is um, using data in a completely outrageous way. It is, I mean, there were multiple incidences of hacks well, into, state, into state election systems. So, Well, the, trying was, to. They, they never changed any votes, right? They tried to change well, registration we, we, information. We have no idea what they did or didn't do. I mean, what we know is that there were hacks into systems. There was stealing of data. There was manipulation of data. There was there was direct uh, violation of our election okay, law. Okay, but if the vote, was, but if the election was changed, it wasn't through that part of it, right? The the change was changing people's votes, changing the way people here's, decided here's, to here's vote. Here's what here's what I don't understand about your line of questioning. Do you or do you not believe that it should be? illegal for other countries to interfere in our elections. If you do, then it doesn't matter what the outcome is. It matters what happened. For obstruction of justice, as an example, the Republicans kept saying, well, they didn't fire you, so what's the the big deal? If there's an attempt, it is illegal. It is still against the law. So let's not argue about what the... I'm not trying to change the laws, Bill. What I'm I'm looking for is how I can inoculate the people listening to this kind of interference. And, And what I'm asking you is, it's, uh, I admit it's, I acknowledge it's illegal for Russia to interfere, and I'm glad it's illegal. But people buying deceptive ads is not unique to Russia. There are all sorts of organizations right within this country which would be happy to put up a, 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 a fake drunken Nancy Pelosi video or, you know, make up a story about which Hillary. Which I also have a problem with, by the well, way. I mean, well, we're, we're taking on the big tech companies in our antitrust committee, yeah. and this is one of the things that we're looking at because 
the way in which people use social media data, the way in which that data is shared, and then the way in which the clicks on a link when it's fake news, may be more productive, generate more revenue for the companies, right? That's what I'm trying to say here. So Russia's bad. I acknowledge that. I'm not on the side of Vladimir Putin, but there's a, there are a lot of other actors out there who sure. who have there's no rules there's no rules at all sure. they will put words but into somebody's mouth. That's a different mouth. topic. I mean, if you want to talk about that, we can talk about how we're we've just launched an investigation into antitrust, and these issues are coming up as part of that investigation. That's why we've had Facebook, Google, all these folks in front of us because we do believe that this is a huge issue that needs to be regulated by the government if these companies are not going to regulate on their own. And I don't think we can assume that they do. But that is a different issue, Dave, than what this president is doing in the Mueller report. And let's just be very clear that in the Mueller report, over and over and over again, the evidence is clear in front of us that this president has obstructed justice and that this president sought information from Russians and now is saying it openly that he would do it again, that he has no regard for the co-equal branches of government, that he has no regard for our Constitution, that he would be quite happy to continue to violate the law and to do it in in the open. And we have been very clear that no one is above the law. On this appointment of the new director of national intelligence, have you followed this issue at all? I have a little bit. And what do you think is going on there? He's a loyalist. Uh, Do you think that he is appointing someone who will tell him what he wants to hear? Yes, I do, because that is what the president has done every step of the way. That's what he did with the attorney general until he got to Bill Barr, because he finally found somebody in Bill Barr that would Mm -hmm. be the personal counsel to the president versus the attorney general for the United States people. Um, and I think that is what he's doing again here with John Ratliff, who who I think is is a very smart guy. Um, he serves on judiciary with me, um, but he is not uh, competent in my mind to he doesn't have the background to be the director of intelligence. And I fear that this is just about a loyalist being chosen because President Trump doesn't like to have anybody around him that disagrees with him. And to what end? What do you think he's cooking up? Does there, is, what would be the reason for doing this? I mean, I think that there are so many pieces. I mean, the intelligence agencies, as you know, all came out, 17 intelligence agencies, basically saying that Russians had interfered, something that Trump still has not admitted to or done anything about. And I think if he has a director of national intelligence who is willing to say that these things are all cooked up, that they're a hoax, um, and not give him the kind of real information that the intelligence community is putting forward and and um, signaling over and over again as a massive problem. I think that's what he's looking for. Here's a loaded question. Do you think the president's a racist? Yes, I do. And what does that mean when you say that? It means that he is willing to promote white supremacist ideas that fundamentally undermine the equality of people and use race as a way to divide the American people and that he that he fundamentally believes those things, that, so, that he believes that black people are lesser than or inferior to white people, but even worse, that he's willing to use that over and over again from the White House. But white supremacy involves, well, there are various forms, but some involve setting up a a white homeland somewhere in America. Some of them involve uh, separation of communities. Do you think the president really means to do something like that? Well, you asked me if he was a racist, not if he was a white supremacist. Then I asked you what it meant. Right. But you asked me if he was a racist, and Mm -hmm. I said yes. 
If you ask me if he's a white supremacist, I would say what I know is he surrounds himself with white supremacists. Mm -hmm. Does that make him a white supremacist? I really don't know. Is he trying to get a country that only has white people in it? I don't know, but he's surrounding himself with people who want that. And for a president, I have been yelled at multiple times, told to go home back to my own country. I've been here since I was 16 years old. But I've never had that happen from somebody in the White House. And I'll tell you, my constituent services people are starting to be social workers. People are calling in in tears. Our constituents in the 7th District, people across this country who now feel like the United States doesn't have a place for them. But not only that, that their job opportunities are limited, that their physical safety is threatened. So this is not just something that offends Dave. This is something that affects. So you think he's so to be clear here. So these aren't people who are simply afraid for something they saw on TV. This is happening to them in the street. Correct. You you think he's unleashed something real here? I know he has. I know. And we're hate crimes. We just had a classified briefing. What is not classified is that hate crimes are uh, on the rise and and white supremacy crimes by white people against brown and black people is significantly on the rise by substantial numbers. I don't have the number in front of me. Otherwise, I would give it to you um, ever since this president came into office. And intelligence services are concerned about this. Well, certainly the FBI is. The FBI deals with this issue, and we got a briefing from the FBI. And I just have to ask, yeah. what what kind of a country do we want to be? Do we want to be a country that stands up for people no matter where they come from, a country that has been defined by immigrants who have come over here willing and unwilling on slave ships and to escape persecution? Do we want to be that place where, regardless of the color of your skin, it is about being able to achieve opportunity, or do we want to be a place that very clearly says there's only one kind of American? So, reparations? Absolutely. And Marianne Williamson said, what did she say last time? $500 billion. And that would be a bargain because if you actually did the math on 40 acres and a mule, it would be in the trillions. Look, I think I'm supporting a bill by... Um, Two bills, actually, one by Sheila Jackson Lee, which is a study into how reparations process could happen, um, and another one by Barbara Lee, which is a truth and reconciliation type process around slavery in this country. Um, neither of those identifies a dollar amount. And I think if you look at discrimination in the history, whether it's in South Africa, in, in other parts of Latin America, here in the United States, what people want is a recognition a discussion of what happened. I don't think that everybody is looking for a dollar amount. Let's at least start the process. Let's talk about what happened with some honesty. Let's recognize that everything that's been built in this country has been built based on the economic benefits of slavery and of taking land from Native Americans. I mean, this is a history that we should be learning from, that we should recognize what makes us great is when we acknowledge our mistakes and when we recognize what it is that has built the foundations of this country. And then we work to try to address those strains of racism and white supremacy that still exist in the country. That's what the study of reparations is. Neither of those bills talks about a dollar amount because the black people that I talk to say, Listen, we just want we want a recognition of what happened. Let's figure out everything else later, but let us tell the truth about what actually happened, how the country was built, and why black people have been at the bottom of the barrel and discriminated against for so long and still are. Okay. 
this is none of my business, but you went public with it. Why did you go public about your abortion? Because I felt like it was very, very important to use my platform to share a story that I think um, is is recognizable for so many people across this country. And I'll tell you, one of the best letters I got recently was from a constituent who said he um, doesn't agree with me on a lot of things, including abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, but that he read my New York Times op-ed and that he was struck by how compassionate and how true it was and how it was a conversation that sought to say that this is not something that I'm trying to impose. It's not a view I'm trying to impose on other people. I want everybody to have the choice. If you don't want to have an abortion, that is your right, just as it is my right to have an abortion should I need to. And it doesn't have to be a traumatic story, even though mine was. It doesn't have to be a traumatic story. But the reality is that economic freedom for women, um, for pregnant people, is controlled by our ability to control our own choices. And so I wanted to use my platform to be able to talk about what happened to me and um, to be able to frame it in the context of the no abortion bans that are happening in states across the country and the very real fear that the Supreme Court, with Brett Kavanaugh's addition, might be in a place where it would reverse what is a constitutional right for us to make choices about our own bodies. And I was, um, uh, you know, just so overwhelmed positively by the tremendous response, Mm -hmm. the people who, what I wanted to do was spark a discussion. And, And so many people wrote to me these unbelievable stories about how they had just their, their mother read the story and then told them for the first time that she had had an abortion or their brother did or their sister-in-law or their friend. All the conversations that were happening around something that has had way too much shame associated with it so that people don't talk about it. And yet the vast majority of Americans actually believe that having women be able to choose to have an abortion safely and legally is the right thing to do. And that's Republicans as well as Democrats. You think repeal of Roe v. Wade is baked in at this point? I hope not. Um, I, I know hope, you hope not. I but. hope not. Um, but yes, I'm nervous that um, that that will be that will be the next thing that goes of our liberties. Seventh District Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal. Thank you, Pramila. Thank you, Dave. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast, and. You can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's morning news? You can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's morning news. So my advice is to subscribe. And then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.